Welcome to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with your host, Sanjo Gall. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers. Now, here's Sanjo Gall. Hello and uh, welcome to the segment on CTN. To learn more, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. And the topic for today is running a tight digital ship. What I mean by this is essentially digital is basically becoming the very backbone of an organization. We're trying to use it for innovation. We're trying to improve uh, the operational efficiencies and and everything in between. Now, all that said, there is a lot of uh, expectations around it. And luckily, we are also getting a lot of funding. But there will be a point we will come to, or maybe we are already there to some extent, where we got to start watching how expensive is this innovation bandwagon costing us? How, how expensive is it and what is it truly costing us? So talk about cloud, talk about data and analytics, talk about shadow IT, and, and the talent that we need to use to make digital happen. All of them are expensive propositions. If you don't manage them properly, it could be more cost than the benefit we get. But is that the case? How are leaders optimizing costs and actually running this digital ship in a tight manner? Uh, I have with me to discuss that uh, Viren Shah, who's the chief digital officer with G Appliances, a higher company. Hey, Viren, how are you? Wonderful. How about you? Very good, sir. Very good. So conversation, of course, this is not the first time you're listening. And the very good news is I was talking to you before we got started is you've lived on both sides. You've worked as a CIO and now you're on the chief digital officer side. And maybe you can correct me if the definition, a colloquial definition of chief digital officer is someone who enables and envisions the innovation side, not having to think a whole lot about the plumbing and CIO has to take care of the plumbing to enable, but also watch the costs. What do you think is the current state? Is Chief Digital Officer and the CXO, the IT CXO office, and the business CXOs all looking at costs already, or we are still living in the honeymoon period where we are talking all innovation when it comes to digital? Yeah, so um, for me, uh, let me define what I believe is Digital. So digital is a mindset. It's a belief. And basically what technology has done, and we call the digital world today, um, I believe has eliminated geographies, and now we live in ecosystems. Yes, there are physical boundaries um, as far as the land goes. But from a technology standpoint, I think all we do and work is with ecosystem. So me, uh, you know, regardless of the title in an organization, everybody has to think digital because, once again, it's a mindset. So uh, for me, from a role standpoint, going back to your question, you know, what's the difference between a CIO or a chief digital officer, chief data officer, for me, Everybody has to have a digital mindset, and that doesn't change regardless of uh, who you are and what role you are playing. So that's the way I think about it, and I believe about it. So um, that's what I would say is I think each one of us has had to have that mindset. I don't think it, it changes anyway. 
So totally agree with you. And that's what I also get to hear from a lot of people that uh, across the board, while you may be given an opportunity as a chief digital officer to put uh, a blanket around this all all sorts of uh, digital initiative, but it's everyone. It's like it takes a village to make digital happen. Totally agree with it. Now, coming to the very cost perspective, because we, when we talk innovation, when we talk about disruption, usually there is so much perceived value that is expected to come out of those initiatives that the cost is seen as a depressing talk. So the realism is kind of buried under the, the fantasy world to some extent. Where are we today? Yeah, where are we today in that context when it comes to discussing digital? Is cost even being still seen, or are we still in the honeymoon period? Well, um, I think cost is a very relevant term, just like you mentioned. Right, cost without talking benefits is a waste. Um, so, for me, the way we have to think about cost is. We can only start scrutinizing costs once a benchmark is established. Now, are there benchmarks available for technology as an overall spend? Of course there are. And I believe um, most of us will have to work with that. It doesn't change. You know, there has been eras where marketing was a huge focus in an organization. That doesn't mean that you just go spend a lot of money on consumer research and stuff like that. It's all a. It's all in within a context, and so does this. Is the spend has to be justified, and the spend has to have the ROI. And the art is, and I know we talk about bimodal, right? I think it's probably um, more than just bimodal. It's uh, I would say a three pronged approach. One is, um, you know. My strong belief is if you are adding something, what are you deleting? Um, That's one perspective. The other perspective is digital world or digital is all about a growth play. Uh, So if you are growing, how are you making sure you are laying a foundation to scale and be capable once you are able to prove the concepts or the ideas that you're working on? While at the same time, you are reducing your technical debt because you can't live in a digital world on a weak foundation. And I think those are the three pieces of the puzzle is you've got to be innovating and transforming. You've got to be laying a foundation when the innovation and transformation is ready to be scaled and it is focused on um, you know, future growth perspectives. You're doing all of that, but at the same time, you have to be reducing your technical debt. And that, to me, is the key piece which keeps the equation or the mathematical equation of investment versus cost uh, in a little bit of a balance. Otherwise, you're right. You could have an imbalance, and then you could be aware of the charts. Because you can't innovate just for the sake of innovation. Totally get it. Now, one thing which you did say, which I'd like to probe further, that if you're going to add something, what are we going to delete? Now, yep. in, in a business-as-usual condition where you put a box around it and say, this is the budget we are going to work with because we have this is the ceiling in terms of the revenue we can generate, then, yeah, it's a zero-sum kind of thing, and you're working with the same common budget. 
But there is something to be said about people trying to use digital for disruption and they will invest in it, whether it comes out from the public shareholders or it comes from private equity or wherever else this investment comes in. Do we today look at when we think about digital that we have to sacrifice to, to envision and to enable digital. Is that the mindset or we are finding money uh, over and above all the other things we need to keep running? Well, I think it's all about the strategy, right, at the end of the day. So it's not a one-size-fits-all approach. Um, it's like, what, what are your strategic goals and what do you really want to do? Like, do you want to disrupt externally? Do you want to disrupt internally? What are the immediate goals that allows you to create a launch pad or, you know, just launch? And to me, um, unless the strategy is very clear, it is very difficult to make that decision. But I strongly believe that as the, uh, like I said, the executives, we have to make that conscious decision of, where we are going to invest, and then how are we going to make sure that the funding that we are trying to give to those investments, because those are the areas where we are gaining competitive advantage, are focused upon, while making sure that we are not, you know, uh, going off the rails there. So that's the art uh, in the digital world, and that's what we have to play. So, you know... um, you asked me a question, adding versus deleting. It's like, for example's sake, today, if my measure is, so we, we, a, we strongly believe in our company, our owner is the boss. That's kind of one of the mantra we make. And we are always focused on pursuing happiness in every home and, in, uh, you know, and helping our employees. So for us, if those are the KPIs we are focused on, and the current systems are not allowing us to achieve those goals, then they are not meeting our standards. And what is the alternate in the digital world are the solutions we go look for and we do what we uh, need to do to meet those KPIs. So for me, that's how I think about it. Now, can we be disruptive in that space? Do we want to be disruptive in that space? That's the strategic question we have to answer. So let's talk about the different elements which make digital happen. And since you mentioned technical debt, while we'll get into that question in a little bit, but from a very foundation perspective, people have started using cloud as one of the elements which essentially at an execution level enables digital. And Good that we embarked on this journey. It's no longer a new thing. Almost everyone in some form or fashion is using it. But when we go and try to operationalize around it and we want to scale on, which we are literally spoiled by saying, oh, I can scale uh, in a heartbeat and, and it would not take us that much time. But behind the scenes, we might be paying an arm and a leg. That flexibility of scaling at any given time comes at a price. And some people have been burned because of that. So are we yeah. looking at the cost element for things which will give us those unprecedented flexibility and scaling? 
and then for first you offer give first you give the business the taste of this flexibility and scaling scalability and then you say it is going to cost us an arm and a leg so we're going to take it away now that doesn't do very well for the the organization its morale its culture so how does some and, and this is happening in companies right so so how to best deal with this how do you best introduce it and how do you best deal with it so at no point you break your bank to fulfill a vision yeah so um the the easiest way to answer it is that there are t- two approaches right uh one it's always day one and you are starting up and you are a startup or it's an idea it's a proof of concept and you want to prove yourself uh whether it's going to succeed or fail pretty fast and cloud has been a great tool to do that work but the moment you can you you identify what you are doing with it then you really have to put the lens of an enterprise grade and at that point in time you answer the question what's the right fit is cloud the right fit or not because you're correct it is very fast uh and very easy to show um you know something and you say ah uh this is going to work and then you just go fast with the same concept while when you are conceptualizing it's a, it's in a test lab but when you are productionizing it and creating an enterprise grade solution you have to then start incorporating the constraints of being an enterprise grade solution and unless you do that you are exactly right that uh, you can create an imbalance now cloud is great for a lot of things even post that but it's not a one size fits all approach it's a hybrid approach so it is very easy to create an imbalance but going back to where we say it's it's the freedom within a framework concept is you create a framework where you are able to prove concepts pretty fast but at some point in time you have to stop and evaluate hey when i make this enterprise great what's the right architecture what's the right fit and i basically believe the way you do that is using a what capabilities i'm trying to drive towards approach and hence the answer becomes very simple is if these are the capabilities cloud is a great fit if these are the capabilities cloud may not be the great fit let's take a quick break listeners we'll be right back so based on what you have suggested uh the suitability of cloud for a given aspect is one thing another is an ongoing cost and related governance and even governance has its cost right one is the running cost another is the governance yes. cost so mm-hmm. so once you've identified or or gone through that suitability due diligence if you will and you enable mm-hmm. some applications your infrastructure for cloud now you got to have the sustenance model and the growth model in place but at all times you have to like look at what would it makes what would make sense to be put on cloud at this time ideally every with everything should be on cloud but what should you put in cloud for how long and in what model for it to be what i call as the best bang for the buck when yeah. leveraging cloud in context of digital how do we arrive at that 
That's what we're in. We will come back from the break and discuss. Thanks so much, and we'll be right back, listeners. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CTN CIO Talk Network, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experience with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive, better care for customers, and improve the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sunjog All at CIO Talk Network. You are listening to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with Sunjog Gall. To learn more about our program, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, listeners. So, Viren and I are having a fantastic discussion on the different elements or cost elements of digital. And the first one we picked was the cloud. And towards that subject, we spoke about the due diligence that we would do for the suitability of anything to be put on cloud. Once that's done, of course, the natural next step is to look at what is it going to cost to maintain that element on cloud And then how do you further optimize the cost so that it is the best bang for the buck formula that we are living? So, Viren, what all have you tried to this end? So, um, you know, we we have used the term uh, many a times. We call it a total cost approach. And I think that, to me, is the most important model that you would want to use. So you have to consider all the... And most of these models I've seen, my peers use it, I've used it in the past myself, is, okay, what are the, all the key components when I am implementing, uh, whether it's a solution, whether it's a strategy, but what is the total cost? And the moment we start putting all these numbers together... That is the model that allows us to help us understand what's the right thing to do. For example, say cloud, right? One of the biggest benefits of the cloud is you can decentralize uh, firing of servers. You can decentralize uh, the creation of uh, instances, and you can scale it down. But going back to what you were mentioning, there is a governance cost to make sure that is happening already soon you will realize that, wow, I am, have so many instances that are idle, that are redundant. Uh, you know, that is a cost-out strategy that I've used in the past. And the easiest way to, um, you know, what I do is we, we call it a cost-out uh, tracker. Um, but basically, how do we make sure that we are using different kinds of audits to figure out the usage, and then putting the monitoring tools and controls in place to make sure that then we are sticking to the total cost optimization model. So when you are looking at the data side of things, and this is the next element is what most people have uh, struggles with. I talked to a lot of CXOs, including Chief Digital and uh, the whole IT CXO team, and almost everyone mentions about their struggle that how uh, how difficult is it to get the arms around 
in the context of digital, getting the arms around data, and then using analytics to make the value come out of it. And without yeah. data and related analytics, digital is just a term. With all the different resources and the cost that's involved, people are still struggling. So either we change the course on how we are creating uh, the data engineering function and the data analytics function, or we continue full steam and we figure out a way to optimize cost. Because by the time you are getting to a point where you can say, yes, I can use this outcome or the results we get out of all this effort, it invariably could outweigh the very benefits you may get. And since people are in this process and they're struggling, how do we tackle this? So um, I can give you a, a great example around this. Because for me, what is the problem we are trying to solve is a very critical aspect in the data and analytics world. Because otherwise, you know, uh, so one of the statistics I had learned is the term being used, algorithms or models, right? 90% of the models that have been created today do not see their life in production. And, and why so? And one of the primary causes, probably not the only one, is we are creating models without really going after what's the problem I'm really trying to solve for. Now, for a company that is doing pure data science and data science as a service, I think it's a great opportunity. For a corporation, I don't know about that one because for us, we have real problems and we need to go solve them using these new tools and technologies. I'll give you an example in my past world uh, that I have worked upon. It's like, okay, you know, um, how do you use promotion um, perspectives and say how effective it is? It's a question almost every company tries to answer. And data and analytics offers a great solution to do that, right? So those are the areas. It's like, okay, what are the burning platforms that I have? And then how do I use data to solve that? Because the ability to mine data is very easy now, but you have to come up with the math and the equation. So for me... I think unless and until you know what problems you're really trying to solve for, the data and analytics strategy has to be aligned to that, has to deliver to that. Otherwise, it is just a solution looking for a problem. So when people are trying to solve or they are even embarking on the journey, I would not say someone is going to start afresh now. There was already an effort underway to get their data under control before the word digital was coined. People were still struggling with data and they were doing a little bit of analytics. And when, it, when, when digital came about, then they just wanted to put some more uh, you know, fuel in it so that it could be, we, we could speed it up so that digital could be realized. So in order for us to speed it up, do you think putting more money is going to speed it up? Or are there ways to optimizing it at both levels, the speed and the cost at the same time? Well, um, so the easiest way to say that is, it, it, 
I think it goes back to our earlier question, right? It's a, it's a mindset. It's a belief. It's a question of where you want to invest. Now, if you're already on a journey of data and analytics, and if, um, well, you've you heard the term data lakes, right, and data warehouses, and different right. terms used to figure out what data is. And, you know, I always use these analogies. Like, then you have all these data lakes, and then you have to connect these lakes with whatever canals you want to connect. But at the end of the day, you need to know what you're fishing for. And there are tools available now that can autocorrect data. There are tools available now that can normalize data on the fly. So going back to um, the ability to identify what is it that you're looking for is very critical in those strategies. But at the end of the day, if your data isn't good, it's, you know, garbage in, garbage out. And I think that theory still applies. Your data has to be good enough to be mined because when you're mining for gold, you have to find gold, right? So uh, the governance strategy is very critical um, because unless you have good, clean data, you will struggle with any analytical strategy. And and you didn't mention about mindset, but most of the times I am assuming you took the context of the top level leaders, but this needs to percolate all the way down to every person in the organization. Easier said than done. Is that truly happening today? And do you think each person in the company, whether they are generating data or they're trying to tackle data, they are showing the stewardship and also someone who is thinking a frugal way to get the same thing done so that the sum total is a more cost-effective outcome? Well, I think everybody has been using data or information, whether it's today's world or the past world, like you were mentioning. Data has always been a question uh, that we have worked with and answered towards, right? So is it is it going down to all parts of the organization? Um, oh, yeah, because for me, like everybody feels when they don't have the right data to work with, they struggle with it. Is everybody wanting to try new ways of doing what they are uh, doing? Of course they are. But to me, going back to the mindset conversation, um, I strongly believe we have to start changing the question. So it, it goes back to, um, and I know it's a cost conversation, but again, cost is always in context of the benefit. If we start helping our stakeholders saying, yeah, you know, in good old days, you would ask me, please give me this data set so I can analyze it myself and create a report out of it so then I can act on it. And I think the question has to change is don't ask me for a report or don't ask me for a data set. Please tell me what action you're wanting to take because today I can do that. And those are the examples uh, that we are using in our organization to help everybody to say, yeah, we need to change the question we ask because unless we change the question we ask, we will always be talking about give me this report. And I think that's how you help 
our uh, stakeholders and process owners through this journey. So talk about the fundamental workflows and processes. Digital requires you, as you said, it's a mindset, and it's also a, a vision of source to say, how do we rethink the experiences we offer? And those experiences, yes, you can enable them with technology, but still at the end of the day, these are underlying workflows and processes, which, if not changed, and we try to slap the cool digital tools, doesn't really take us very far. And if you were to try to fundamentally shift them, I mean, keeping in mind, maybe it's an experiment or a permanent shift because this is a new way of doing business for us. Either case is mighty expensive or can be mighty expensive. And when we look at the total cost of ownership of any shift to enable digital, well, that cost is also included the one which we incur for changes and shifts in the workflows and processes. So what what kind of hat would we wear when we go about identifying which shifts should we make in workflows and processes, how to prioritize them, and how to actually bring them about, knowing that there will also be passive resistance or active resistance by the business unit leaders because of inertia, which could slow us down. Yeah. So I, I think the last comment you made is probably the most important one, is there is a adoption conversation, and, you know, how, how do... Uh, our team members adapt and adopt. And that, to me, is a very big component of a digital transformation. And it goes back to, you know, the good old change management approaches, right? But one of the things uh, that you mentioned here is digital is is a two-set approach. One is optimization. You have to be constantly optimizing uh, because to me, you are basically laying a new foundation So through the optimization approach. But then there is a whole perspective of new business models. And unless you are changing your current processes, you are not able to come up with new business models to leverage the current processes. And helping that vision and building that vision is a critical part of that, how do you help with the current processes and change that equation? So for me, it's a co- combination of both. Is every all of us who show, come to work have an intent of contributing and helping the organization go to the next level. I think we just need to help everybody see that through the digital lens. So if you talk about everyone else looking at it from a digital lens because we ask them, do they do so? Well, I, I think the easier way to say it is I use this example every day. In our personal life, when I'm ordering from Amazon, I am expecting a certain set of experience, right? So why wouldn't I expect the same of myself? And I think that's the easiest way I find that people understand that, hey, you know, the, the world is changing all around us and we just need to figure out how we become part of it. Now, so I don't give think it... it's a... Yeah, yeah, go ahead. 
Yeah, no, you're, you're right you have, about it. I just wanted to make sure that you are uh, telling people or rather you expect them to do things the way you'd expect yourself to do. Of course, it's a great thing and you will champion the cause. But is that how it works on uh, you know, on the ground, if you will? If that was the case, every company would have been Amazon. <laughs> that is correct. Well, there are a couple of things. Um, and I, I will circle back to um, it's a belief, it's a commitment. And I think the more and more everybody understands and wants to change, um, I strongly believe it, it takes time. It's not an overnight thing. It doesn't happen overnight. And everybody buys into the idea when everybody starts seeing the result. But like that's like every other change and transformation. Um, so it's continuous improvement over time leads to a great innovation. Um, and that's how I feel about it. Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back. And the next one to tackle is the very talent war. I mean, it wasn't getting any better, to to say the least. In the last decade, you've had technology becoming backbone for most companies. And then we brought in this digital flavor, which is very dynamically changing. And it is disrupting quite a few ways in which we used to do things. So the talent pool that we used to rely on in many cases, is becoming irrelevant or has even become irrelevant, period. What do we do to make sure we are able to get access to the right talent when we need it, whether or not they are ours, our captive or our full-time employees? But how do you keep that access developed and then maintained and on demand if possible so that you can you can minimize the cost and ongoing running cost in terms of talent. Is that even possible? And if yes, what's that secret sauce? So please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back and discuss. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CTN CIO Talk Network, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experience with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive, better care for customers, and improve the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sunjog All at CIO Talk Network. You are listening to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with Sunjoe Gall. To learn more about our program, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. So, Viren, uh, talent is key for all of us, and it goes without saying that if you don't have the right talent, who's going to make things happen? While like data is digital, so is the people who make digital happen at all different levels. And companies are facing a lot of challenge in there. A lot of old approaches to how you handle technology and people and processes, everything is being rethought or has to be rethought because of the way digital is disrupting everything. What do you think is the secret sauce or what's that playbook to talent management where we build a good, effective, if possible, on-demand digital team, but without breaking the bank? So um, first, um, we are 
as a company are very committed to our people and their development. Um, and we have a fantastic program in place. Um, and I believe in my whole career, I've not seen a better program than what we have here. Um, of course, I've not seen a lot, but I strongly believe I've had a good enough experience with many other companies to say that, you know, this is by far a world-class program of people development that we have. The the way it works is, you know, we actually start working with them. We have um, students from their freshman year who work, who start interning with us. And they are, you know, there have been interns who have been here for all, uh, every summer. And then we put them in a development program, rotation program, where they go through different perspectives. And then they say, okay, this is where I want to go and this is what I want to do. So we are actually coming up with uh, what we call a digital curriculum. Um, so, you know, we are naming our transformation as information technology to digital technology transformation. And talent is a huge focus uh, in it for us. And we are also thinking about going back to your conversation because we believe it's the potential, it's the capability and the ability of learning, which are the key components in, to, in the digital world. And we are very committed in helping and developing our uh, people through that journey. So for us, I think we strongly believe we have actually a good plan in place and a good program in place to support that. Now, again, you know, cost always is a question. Cost always is a conversation. So there are multiple philosophies around it on how we, you know, there is always this question of, okay, how much external, how much internal, there are industry benchmarks around it. So at the same time, you have to create competencies inside, and we call the next-gen tech competencies for us. So how do you build those uh, over time? You have to have them. Now, how you build and go about the approach is where uh, you have to work based on the parameters of the organization. So... That, to me, is how we are working it, and we are making sure that we are able to uh, realize the potential uh, that uh, our team members have as we go along this journey. Now, you, you did mention that you have an approach to building people. How, had, how did you have to recalibrate your approach, given that digital requires the non-traditional approaches to sourcing talent and teaching them things where even the teachers don't know what to teach because it is so new. So this is where we partner with organizations uh, uh, or supplier partners and we co-create new things. So that's another development opportunity. We uh, basically... So, you know, our digital curriculum, while you always have the hard skills of the software and different perspectives and the hardware and different perspectives, and there are, of course, these leadership skills uh, that are required. But then there is, uh, you know, a third component of what we call the digital mindset component, 
which goes back to where I was going, is how are you going to work and co-create a few things so that, because most of the training and learning, as we all know, happens on the job or OJT or on-the-job training, as we call it. So that's what our programs are focused on, is a lot of it is OJT, and co-creation is as part of that. Now, with the talent and the cloud and the process and workflows, the other major concern for digital is being able to keep your fort secure. Cannot stress enough that a lot of those digital dreams can get shattered if we do not have a good control on, of course, try to prevent security breaches, which I think it looks like a pipe dream given the amount of uh, funding and the resources our intruders have lately, but then how to effectively uh, respond and how to bounce back from those so you do not create a disruption in uh, the consumer's journey and also maintain their faith in you to be able to serve them. But serving in a secured manner and living up to that expectation could be mighty expensive. It is very clear from the investments that are required to get the right talent and changing the workflows and processes with respect to security and be able to use the infrastructure and tools that you need. Everything is so expensive. And here we're talking about cost. So how do you eat the cake and have it too? Well, um, so for us, it's a commitment as a company we are committed to protect our organization uh, as in from our people's data standpoint, our organizational standpoint, but also very much focused and committed to make sure that our uh, consumers, customers, and that information is protected um, from various different perspectives. And we take that very, very seriously. Um, all executives are involved in those perspectives. So for us, it's not a cost conversation. It's a commitment. And once you are committed, then you do whatever is required to appropriately meet your commitments. So for us, I strongly believe security and protection of your customer data, consumer data, people data, adhering to all these uh, compliances and different perspectives, it's a commitment. And you do whatever is required and necessary to meet those commitments. Now, from a cost perspective, should you always be figuring out and creating uh, a roadmap and an approach to optimize and leverage and make sure that you are optimizing and making sure that the approach is working, of course you should. And then the way you do that is you identify what goals you want to set up. You create your plans. But there are always external organizations that can help you through the audit process and make sure you're on the right path. And that's one way to govern the cost and make sure that uh, going back to you're not going off the rails on your cost perspectives while you are meeting the commitment because, once again, we as an organization are very committed to that perspective. 
So your approach or rather different elements as we discussed, you use the word commitment quite a bit. While we keep commitments towards making sure that we have the right talent, as you mentioned, towards security, and then making sure you optimize the processes and also invest in the right tools. Should there be, as a leader, people would love to learn from you, should there be a commitment towards conserving costs or because digital is so new and it is so uh, progressive an approach, we are better off served with using cost as an afterthought and first we maximize and harness the most value. What would what kind of mindset would serve us best? So um, for me, um, as, as I was sharing a little bit um, earlier, right, is when we commit as an organization to uh, different perspectives, we say we will take care of our customers. So that's an intent or you know, the company's soul, right? So it's a commitment to say we will take take care of our customers, right? Now, is cost an afterthought in those cases? You look at it, then you go optimize later? For sure. So those are the things you have to think about. And to me, this is an organizational com- commitment is to say, are we going to put the emphasis and effort to develop our people? Of course we will. Are we going to keep putting the emphasis and effort to secure and meet our commitments to our customers, consumers, and our employees? Of course we should. So for me, once we committed as an organization, we are all fiduciary responsible. So it's not that we are just going to allow cost overruns, but at the same time, we have to meet our commitments. So what comes first? And what comes next, I think it goes hand in hand. But if you ask me, our commitment would come first. When we talk about all of these things, that's one thing where if it was just a black box or or you were within a box and you were controlling all parameters. But today, your digital journey or a consumer journey where you are a part of their digital journey also means that there are other value chain players. And cost optimization needs to happen across the board. Otherwise, you may be sucked in into doing something which may not be optimal. Or maybe it is optimal for you, but not optimal for the value chain or vice versa. In both cases, it's not going to do justice to the experience or to the cost metric that we all want to maintain. So is there a way for you to be able to work with all your partners who may be part of your experience delivering value chain to all come together and make a commitment on one hand to digital experience, the the best one that you can deliver, and also to cost efficiencies. Is that like too much to ask? Uh, Not really. Actually, it's an obligation. So uh, let me tell you what I mean by that. So in the, you know, when I was growing up, the few there were a few functions who would get the cross functional visibility of the whole organization and how the dots were getting connected in today's world it's the technology organization that has the luxury or the benefit of seeing it across the whole company so it becomes an obligation for us as a function to connect those dots for the organization and help through the whole optimization perspective. But in addition to that, what you mentioned is very critical too, is while 
you know, you create the visibility. The execution requires multiple perspectives, some internal, some external. And within an external ecosystem, you should be able to take three strategic partners and say, how do we all work together towards this great journey? It requires a little bit of more transparency both ways. And if you find partners who will do that for you and with you, I think those are the partners you want to take along on the journey. And that's what I believe is the critical success criteria in this digital world, is how are you going to take your internal organization using external help, because not all competencies are available, like you were mentioning, some things you will co-create. But it's a benefit where we are all focused on our customers and our owners' success, and that, to me, is the recipe you have to use to, to, to overcome that challenge. On behalf of the show and our listeners, thanks so much, Viren, for sharing your insights about how organizations can work on building and running a tight digital ship. Thanks so much. Thank you. And listeners, hope you enjoyed. I got a few nuggets out of it, and I'm hoping you did as well. Please like us on Facebook, search for CTN, and be sure to follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn. Thank you again for listening to this segment on CTN. This is Sanjog All, your talk show host. Till next week, take care and God bless. Thank you for tuning in to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with your host, Sunjo Gall. To learn more about our program or for show archives, comments, or questions, please visit ciotalknetwork.com. Thank you again for listening.